Hey everybody, it's Mondo. This is part two of my conversation with Odira, and we continue our conversation about subsidiarity and the importance of local government. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Ooh, what a good phrase. Everything you said was so, <laughs> well, so well put. My gosh. Well, I like that. And I will try not to like fall into the trap of then inserting your opinion as my opinion. But I will say, <laughs> I like that. No worries. Um, <laughs> I, have the, I have the best opinions, obviously. So everyone can just insert my opinion. <laughs> yeah, just trust me. Makes it simple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about this article. You sent me this article. I think it was sometime within the last week. But it was the the hundred na- uh, hundred cities, yeah. I think, in uh, one year or something like that. That dude, I'm not gonna lie. That article was really cool to read, and that also between that and then finally getting sick of the VP debate. Actually, it was probably that article that made me get sick of the VP debate a few days later and start looking locally at what was going on. That article was, yeah, it was so good because again, it was that call yeah. to action. Um. So I guess for those who haven't read it, the article is, is it, it's not by the it's, uh, American Poly. Solidarity Party, is it? Um, which everyone should check out. Yeah, they that's also right. have a podcast, which is excellent, but, but I think their website they just, just has some top-notch stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have actually another article I want to talk to you about that I read from them today. <laughs> but this one was, uh, the upshot of the article was saying, basically everything we've just said like national level whether you're a democrat or republican or whoever like can you really say that stuff is really big stuff has changed with either party like in power not really we're under the guise that change happens top down and it doesn't it happens from the bottom up so this article said yeah there are like oh, uh, 14 to fifteen thousand like local towns municipalities cities or whatever um in the country and they, that we should have a goal of, like, by November 2021, have 100 people in local government positions across the country. Like, people who are just good people, people of good conscience, morals, faith, who just want to help other, help their communities, bring good to their communities and help other people achieve virtue. And, like, that's that's all you kind of need to be <laughs> and then just find yourself and try and get in one of these positions and then let's grow that number the next year and the next year and all that and like that way we would see again kind of that non-glorious not like massive <laughs> cheering squad of change but we would see change over that and i like reading that wow that got me fired up <laughs> i was like because again it was attainable and it was like, oh, you're right. If we all kind of started looking locally and then took this route, like imagine what could happen. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think number one, everyone should check them out because they state things far more eloquently and better than I could. They're one of the few places I read consistently where I'm like, man, I want to write like that. And I want to, <laughs> I don't know, like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think... <laughs> Yeah. to your point right that there's this idea that again change comes top down um it, it doesn't <laughs> but, 
but also I think there's this this sort of expansion <laughs> of scope that everybody has. Like, I I've always been a believer that 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 big problems are really just aggregated small problems, and you'll you'll see me say that consistently across a variety of contexts. Um, but also, like, big changes are really just lots of little small changes that aggregate over time. Um, and I think, so people always walk around with this model in their head of like, there's gonna be a watershed moment where everything tips over and and change is just ushered in, you know? Yeah. You know, Pax Romano right. style, like, and it, it's just, it's just not like Thanos style, like <laughs> change. And it's just not. And so I loved that article, number one, because you're right. if if you read it and you're still convinced that that the national scene is where any important thing is happening then then we need to have a conversation about what you think is is happening in dc as a former arlington resident Um, (laughs) i can assure you it's not Um, but more importantly it, it kind of is intuitive right in the sense that that both one historically once upon a time these parties were really small like we don't think about that because that was two hundred years ago, right? But but at some point, these guys were newcomers mm-hmm. to the scene, and and you know, the Republicans run for president. At some point, they were running against like know nothings, you know, <laughs> and, and so intuitively, it makes sense right. that if you're going to try to introduce a new political regime, a new political party, that it should start very locally and very small. But I also think intuitively mm-hmm. it, it makes sense in terms of of change because you're right these parties have pretty much stayed the same for for about 60 years now give or give or take give or take you know a quarter wow. century um and so expecting <laughs> them particularly on those sort of non-controversial boring everything from tax policy to to fintech to to department of whatever the department of interior does i'm pretty sure it's national parks and and native americans um you know those things that don't make headline news or don't catch people's attention those very special interests expecting policy or even change to happen um is is a bit foolhardy um because they they've shown no interest in upsetting the cartel that they currently have over over American politics. But I also think what, what going locally does for you is that it to your point, you get a much better shot at ordering your politics, what you are doing, to virtue than you would have at a state or local level. Mm-hmm. And I would argue you have a much better sense of the power you do and don't have even as a government official at a local level than you do at, at any of those right. other levels. Um, you know, like your, your local treasurer has a much better idea of what numbers I would argue dollars and cents look like for a city budget than anybody on sort of the ways and means mm-hmm. commission in the, the house of reps or even at the D- department of the treasury. Cause they're just, they're so detached from actual community and actual consequences and actual thought like they're they're essentially yeah. dealing in abstract abstract all of the time 
in the service of nobody, you know, except maybe mm-hmm. the president or their party or some abstracted utopian right. vision of the future on um, which they consulted no one. <laughs> um, whereas your local treasurer is like, listen, I got to account for every dollar and cent and I got to, I got to get the budget right. Because if I don't, that means, you know, Jimmy down the street might be short a short a sidewalk or a crossing guard or, you know, there are very real consequences, but also very real opportunities to order towards virtue again, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can hold people accountable that way. Right. Like I, I can't hold the federal reserve. Yeah accountable for any vice they may have because one i think macro econ is the hardest thing out there to to wrap your your head around short of like you know theoretical (laughs) physics (laughs) like intermediate micro kicked my ass not gonna lie (laughs) um and intermediate macro the syllabus (laughs) just intimidated me so (laughs) didn't end up staying there but you know but even if they were acting in vice i i can't catch them on it i don't know these people they don't know me their their decisions mm-hmm. fundamentally don't impact me in any real concrete way whereas on this very local level it becomes i want to say mm-hmm. almost quasi-governmental because it's really just a community making decisions for itself which i guess can happen with politics but the right. community isn't consumed in politics and you kind of get to to almost operate outside the normal boundaries of politics in a lot of these local settings. Um, so yeah, I, I loved that article mm-hmm. for any number of reasons. And I think as a final point, and then I'll shut up. You, you get to, again, it's all real. <laughs> and I think that's the point they're making is, I, and I, I, I can't speak for them, but I, I wonder if they had a slogan, if it would be make politics real again you know, order it towards something tangible that yeah. you can see, that you can feel, people you can talk to, have a conversation with, um, uh, changes yes. that actually yeah. impact your life, you know, not in the abstract, does, if the Federal Reserve goes up like a quarter of a percent on on the loan rate, does that really impact my life? Even though it's a, a massive change that, that draws tweets from Trump and you know, AOC and this person and the third and the fourth. No, but like, you know, kind of does my does my local school board position impact what gets taught in classrooms? Yeah, I can take home a worksheet. I can look at a kid's like, you know, homework or what he's being taught. So yeah, I'd say that's the strategy if you want to mm-hmm. make it real and make it lasting and make it ordered towards, again, the community and the good and virtue. Yeah. The idea of going local and focus, turning our focus to the local level and turning our efforts and energy to the local level was very exciting for everything you said and to hone in on community. I personally don't feel like I have a particular like attachment to the Arlington community or anything like that. I don't know. I mean, I know there are people who do in every place, but I think as a general rule, I think we have kind of lost that sense of like local community that we are a community at all. Right. Like we're all just more kind of to your point, individuals going through this thing 
Um, and the idea of like turning back to the local level, it kind of, it forces you to like realize, no, you are a member of a community, <laughs> whether you pay attention to it or not, you are, and your neighbors and everybody who kind of lives around you, like you guys can have each other's backs and can kind of work through whatever the issues are that like do impact you. Um, and it would force us to kind of get to know our neighbors, get to like working with people, talking with people who we may disagree with or vice versa and all that stuff that are good and healthy and normal and then can help like strengthen the places that we live and like improve the places that we live and where we can all like grow and all of that stuff. I was like, yeah, that would just be, yeah, it absolutely would. That would be really cool. I'm with you there. Like as a, as a public health human, um, I get to think about urban health a lot. Um, and urban planning and how you build places and spaces and, and communities. And, and I think that's always the thing that strikes me is the, mm-hmm. the more local you get, the more intertwined everything becomes. Right. And, and you're right. Like, you know what? Like, yeah. And, and how non-political things become um, in that, in that traditional sense. Right. Is, yeah. is, yeah. is a park that political? Yes. Maybe no. Like probably not. Like, mm-hmm. right, precisely. It gets more personal than political. Like even the to go back to the parking thing that's happening here. It's right. clearly a very personal issue for a lot of people in Arlington, but it's not a Democratic or Republican issue. You know, it's the people who live in one neighborhood right. don't like people from other neighborhoods parking yeah. on their streets. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's a personal thing. The word that article they used in that article was theater. And it's just so perfect. You know, the entire national scene mm, is, is all a good theater. word. Yeah. Right. Everything from from and I always love the hot mic moments where they catch them right before they start giving their well rehearsed lines and where you get to see what they think or they'll catch somebody just like, you know. <laughs> doing something weird or or clearly very staged and fake um but yeah i love that it becomes more personal than political right because yeah it just lacks the the theater the thing like nobody's dying you know over over the location of a park um or even sort of you know what benches for example are in a park but you know, you could have a real impact mm-hmm. at the same time on homeless policy, you know, and, and building for homelessness, for example, based on what, what sort of bench, right. benches and seating you pick or what types of, you know, places and ways and regulations you have around the park and its use. But none of that ever feels right. political. You're not sort of stuck in the grand theater of, you know, you get to escape that narrative and, and I think you get to ask better better questions of your neighbors because it is a thing you know. You know, it like I'm from Chesapeake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know a lot about environmental <laughs> policy um, as, as broadly speaking, but I sure as hell know where the mm-hmm. Chesapeake City Park has been, is, and will will continue to be. <laughs> and it has these sort of attachments, <laughs> you know, for me. Everything from, like, what I'm realizing now is probably, like, a, a fair, like a county fair, but we call it the Jubilee down here, the Chesapeake Jubilee. <laughs> kid, 
and I'm just having the time of my life, you know, <laughs> it's amazing to, you know, to going for an occasional <laughs> pickup game, even just going for runs through that park, all of the sudden, any conversation, di- discussion right. we're having about it is no longer this abstract sort of posturing, but it's a very real place with a very real community around me that I can, that I know and can, can engage in with my neighbors, with my family, with my friends. And all of a sudden, we're we're operating from a wholly different place mm-hmm. than than trying to. What do we think about parks and nature broadly, you know, or even sort of what do we think about urban health and the presence of parks? It's hey, we have a city park. What does that do for us? What would we like to see changed? So, I, I think I love that personal, not political. Right. The right. lower you get, excellent. <laughs> Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, the other article that I had that I read this afternoon, um, I was not expecting this article. So it's same website, New Polity. Um, the article was okay. all, I guess it was written in July or August um, because it was, so the point of the argument was that Kanye West is the perfect person to run for president if you're a Catholic and you should definitely vote for Kanye West. Yeah. I know. I was so not expecting that. I was like, what? I was like, this is so weird. And of course, I read the whole thing. And I was like, why? Like, I really want to know that as a Catholic. Why should I be voting for Kanye West exactly? Um, And so I didn't even realize that he was running as like a birthday party for like a hot week or however long that lasted. Um, and, but it was interesting. So it, it revealed a lot of stuff that I didn't know, namely the birthday party thing and that his platform was just essentially fundamentally about abortion and about getting rid of abortion. And like, that was, it sounded like that was just kind of the sum total of what he was about. Um, and the article made the point that it's not surprising since like abortion is legal. We murder babies at the dawn of life, we're like taking life. Why is it surprising that there's all of this like right. violence and injustice in other aspects of our society? If we're okay with it at the beginning, we're going to be okay with it throughout as kind of like a trend. So that was this, that was the article's way of saying, of setting up the whole, the whole um, argument and saying that you fundamentally, if you're a Catholic in America, you, you need someone and you should be voting for somebody who is actually going to get rid of abortion because it's a fundamental intrinsic evil that does severely pardon me, impact the rest of the country. Um, yeah. Have you read that article? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have, you, like, they were... have you seen that before? Um, okay, so what are your thoughts on all that? What are my thoughts? Number one, I also, I, I kind of went into this tailspin of figuring out how many other types of parties I could name a political party after. And I would I run into like the dance party or the block party <laughs> or like, so, so I spent way too much time doing that. First and foremost, and I was like, I'm a hundred percent, hundred percent running under the block. Party. <laughs> uh, I love that. Oh my gosh. But I think <laughs> more than that, oh, man, I, I, I don't know that I was convinced by it because I saw the point they were making, but I thought they make, I seriously think right. they, 
whether they realize it or not, it's a very nascent version of the point they make in these later articles sort of about localism and and the theater of national politics and all of that, is that, mm-hmm. you know, if you are going to have these pitched conversations and debates on a national level that that all boil down to mm-hmm. one issue, right? Because everybody always criticizes... Okay, random, <laughs> random <laughs> aside, I think it is the dumbest <laughs> Please thing do. in the world that people who vote on the single issue of abortion are always harangued and delegitimized for doing so when ultimately I would argue everybody that votes on that particular level is voting on a single issue. Right? Because or at least right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of people, right? I think it's true They're for a lot of people. They're just open and anyway. honest about what their single issue is. Right. So it, it's never made sense to me. And you'll hear this a lot from from you know consistent life ethic people and left casts, who I love by the way. Like I love consistent life ethic, but that's a different podcast episode altogether. Right. Or you'll hear it from people who are critical of the anti abortion movement <laughs> that you can't that they're basically compromising mm-hmm. with evil based on like a single issue, whereas they should choose some sort of other legitimate set of issues mm-hmm. to, to base their vote on if they were really pro-life or if they were really anti-abortion. You know, that's that's sort of the argument um, that if we were actually talking about mm-hmm. it, I'd be much more charitable about it. But that that's that's should do it for our purposes currently. Um, and I've always wondered, like, yeah. That seems like a really dumb take, right? Because if you're voting for a Democrat, presumably you're not voting on the finer issues of like, you know, energy policy or telecommunications policy that also impact, for example, you know, the poor and the ability of, of the poor to, to impact, you know, their lives and, and climb, the, climb the social and economic ladder. Right. Like you're you're not you're not voting, even if you are mm-hmm. like, hey, I think the Democratic Party takes care of the poor better. You're not voting for all of the issues across the spectrum that impact poverty and the ability to climb the social and economic ladder. You're really just voting for a particular program, a particular right. issue, a particular proposal that somebody who aligns themselves with the Democratic Party has made. And that's true, I would argue, of the Green Party. You know, they're mm-hmm. not voting. If you vote Green Party, you're not voting because you've you've more than likely you haven't thought through the entire range of of issues that come up when you talk about environmental policy, um, or or the environment, or taking care of mm-hmm. the earth, or care care for creation, any of those things, animals, animal cruelty, all of those things. Chances are you're really concerned about one issue, and that's climate yeah. change, right? But nobody ever stops you and they're like, yeah, you're an anti-climate change voter, not a not a Green Party voter. Like, no, that, that'd be stupid, right? And, and again, so I, I've just, as an aside, always found it yeah. really humorously stupid <laughs> to harangue, harangue anti-abortion voters for voting on a single issue while everybody <laughs> also else, everybody else also votes 
on a single issue, like even sort of the human rights campaigners, and I love them to death. Um, you know, like if if you're the if if you're voting on immigration, like if you're voting for Democrats because they're the more compassionate party, mm-hmm. what you really mean ninety percent of the time is I prefer their policy preference on immigration, and not even as a whole, but maybe the treatment of minors or in in detention, or I'm voting against ICE, or I'm voting for, you know, comprehensive immigration reform, whatever that looks like. You're mm-hmm. not voting again for the whole spectrum of I, you're not voting for compassion. Like, compassion isn't <laughs> wrong, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, I just, I just always find it very pretentious. <laughs> like, if you really cared about issue X or area X, you would think about all these other things as if somehow they were all on the ballot at the same time. Like, you know, but as an aside, but I think to get back to that Kanye West article, if you are a single issue voter and you genuinely mean that at the national level, then yeah, voting for Kanye makes absolute sense, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's taking your single issue Right, like if it's all theater, right. Kanye is the only guy saying the things that you need to hear, right? And he's saying them most intelligibly and most coherently. He might right. not be intelligible or coherent about much else, but you're not grading him on all those other things. And and I mean, I think, <laughs> right, <laughs> it sounds laughable, but but look at the two presidential candidates, right? Like Trump, who, as far as I can tell in about four years, exactly. doesn't particularly have policy preferences. He just kind of, like, like trying to trying to sort out any pattern of preferences yeah. there is, is a fool's errand. Um, and so people are always like, great Donald Trump, and I'm like, on what margin? Like, <laughs> the things he can't control or the things he theoretically has a platform about? <laughs> because those are binoculars. You're trying to draw an overlap, and those are binoculars. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, <laughs> so I'm not, you know, I'm not stamping him with my intelligible and thoughtful seal of approval, <laughs> nor am I stamping really Joe Biden with with that stamp of approval either, because his single issue is that he's not Donald Trump, right? And Donald Trump's single issue is that he's not Joe Biden, and yeah. however, whatever connotations and and groups you want to associate right. with each of those personalities individually. So, so even I think mm-hmm. running, you know, once you look past the the superficial nature of like, ha, Kanye is running for president for the birthday party, like there is some sort of logic to it. Is if we're going right to take national politics into this this single theater, uh, this you know, this single issue theater, then yeah, you should absolutely pick the guy who best represents mm-hmm. your interest to the exclusion of all else. And and in that sense, it's always been weird to me that right. that we don't have more Kanye West, right? In, or by that, I mean people who are so passionate mm, about yeah. a singular issue that you could conceivably be passionate about. <clears throat> yeah. The closest I've heard to that was Andrew Yang because his like the thing that yeah. he really put out there was the um, universal basic income 
which I found very persuasive. Like he was very articulate about it. He had a lot of good evidence. And I was like, wow, isn't it nice yeah. when he just like, it was very concrete too, because it was kind of his one thing that he was pouring his, he had answers for other issues, but he was really pouring his energy into that one yeah. issue and trying and to mean, get himself elected based off of that. And it was kind of nice. Number one, he was like the only normal person. Like, 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 regardless of your political affiliation. He really like, was. <laughs> yeah, it was just he really was. Like, you know, if I met Andrew Yang at the, on the street, I'd be like, hey, want to network later? Or like, I might, like, approach him on LinkedIn or, like, gr- you know, grab a beer or something, like, and not feel weird about it or staged. But to your point, yeah, he had lots of answers for things, which I appreciate. Yeah. Whether yeah. you agree with them or not, he did his homework. Um, on mostly everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think he quite did enough homework on like abortion. I think he just stole Planned Parenthood's like talking points. But I don't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get the sense that he right that he cared Precisely. a ton like, about certain issues. He just knew that he had to say something. Anybody's hill issue. Uh, but yeah, he he sort of took universal basic income right and, and brought that sort of into the Overton window. Um, as a reasonable thing that people could hold and and here's the math of it and here's the logic of it but yeah in my head you should see more andrew yangs you know Mm -hmm. more kanye west i don't currently know who's championing immigration um you know but i'm sure someone there is is passionate about that um but but that that article makes the whole point that yeah single issue voting if you're serious about it at the national level is gonna lead you to some very particularly strange outcomes that may not be bad like i was just thinking through that i was like imagine a world where you just have people running on like one issue maybe two that they're like hey you elect me and this thing and maybe that thing are gonna get done and that's all i'm really gonna do (laughs) And then it really right. pushes people much... to be like, huh, what do I do with my vote now? Right. And I don't know. Like, offhand, right. I don't know and if I mean, that's overall a good I, or bad. I wouldn't bad, say different. I think it's, it's definitely honest. different. And I, 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 I say that only because you have sort of these parties and candidates that, that run on everything all the time. Like, look at the laundry list of, of yeah. promises and 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 campaign campaign talking points that that the last anywhere from four to eight major nominees have made it's it's if you can get it all done pal right kudos to you because you are you're you're winning you're winning god's favorite child right. award for, for 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 mirroring the seven days of creation like goodness <laughs> it's just so much and and you know most of it isn't is again what you said because they have to have an opinion on it not because they've done the work of having an opinion or even because they care about it mm-hmm. like realistically if you're the next president who whether that's trump or biden you really have two or three major things you need to work out first um and then there's a whole list of issues under those things you know in my head like the things the next president will have to work out just off the top are are sort of rebuilding civic trust, um, whatever that looks like, whether that's, you know, electoral reform or, you know, basically shoring up the basic institutions of, of, you know, governance. 
um, and establishing authority and legitimacy, getting us out of coronavirus or mediating our coronavirus response and reopening. And, mm-hmm. and if you want, you can toss in the right. economy. If you make it its own issue, I understand. And, and so if you make it its own issue, then the economy. And then if you don't make it its own issue and you lump that in with sort of the coronavirus response, criminal justice reform, like those are, those are the three issues. And I would argue in that order mm-hmm. that you have to handle as the next president, everything. So, and, and you kind of see that, right? Is everybody is voting mm-hmm. on one of those three issues when it all comes down to it, right? Like those who aren't voting for Trump who would normally vote conservative are very concerned by his, by his approach to, to institutions, whether that's the court or Congress or, you know, norms and norms and institutions. Right. So, so you have a lot of people voting on that. And weirdly enough, I'm sure mm-hmm. conversely for Trump because of those things, his approach to institutions um, or by institutionalism himself, having been mm-hmm. there for like half a century yeah. or whatever, like, you know, you have people who are voting on the coronavirus <laughs> right. response pretty much, who they thought would have done a better job handling it, and you, you know, who are, who they think would would handle this better going forward, of which their patron saint is probably Dr. Fauci. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we were just going to start assigning people to the, like, yeah. you know, various issues. And then if you're if you're talking about criminal justice reform, then then there are a handful. Um, Amash probably comes to mind, but um, the rep from from Michigan. But I'm sure there are others. Um, you know, but my point being, like, when you boil it all uh, okay. down, even sort of this grand pretense about <clears throat> this candidate and that candidate, and Trump is terrible and Biden is terrible, you are fundamentally making a single issue vote you most people are ranking those three issues picking the one that's most important to them picking the guy that they think is gonna screw it up the least and and going with it and if that's the method that we're taking going forward and we're honest about it then like yeah vote for kanye west Mm -hmm. because if you rank abortion higher than any of those issues rightfully or wrongfully like that's a holy conversation then yeah He's your guy. If you rank universal mm-hmm. basic income higher than, you know, any of those, then yeah, Yang is your guy. And now we're just being open and honest about it. We can stop pretending like mm-hmm. either of these parties have meaningful platforms that aren't 95% filler propped up by a few single issues. Yeah. And I think going back to how you, you said it really well earlier, the fundamental running point for Joe Biden is he's not Trump. right. The fundamental running point for Trump is he's not Biden. <laughs> like that's kind of so even like any other issue pretty much falls in that cat and like one of those two categories. You're either voting for Trump because he's not Biden or vice versa. Even if it's a, even if it comes down to like a couple other issues, I think this election more than probably any other at least recently right. um is coming down to just the personality of the people so yeah you're right i mean and that's to prove your point even if it's just on personality well then 
Yeah, if you want to vote for yeah, Kanye exactly. West for one We've been doing it this whole reason, time. He's yeah, just why not? Everybody else is doing it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Right. I don't hate the yeah. idea. It's definitely worth kicking around a little that bit. That was me but... on that. That's... <laughs> huh. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I was just very taken aback um, to read it, but I, it, it, it's definitely. I can't speak highly enough yeah. of the guys that, over there. They just do such great work in new polity. You know, even just being able to run something like that, like you know, I think they they don't have the burden of sort of respectability mm-hmm. yet, so <laughs> they almost don't know, don't have reputations to uphold. They can just genuinely mm-hmm. pose challenging questions. Um, yeah. 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 It was pretty neat. Yeah, there is a kind of refreshingness about this. Again, I didn't read all their articles, but just scanning the headlines um, that, yeah, clearly can be anything from like Kanye West for president to like the 100 people, 100 cities in one year. Amy Coney Barrett, like all kinds of stuff is up there, but it's definitely like it's fresh. It's different. It's not the headline that I was getting for yeah all of my and other national that's news. My favorite even if it was talking about national all ideas. the way back around um <coughs> I can't. i've got a lot of practice landing <laughs> well landing play landing <laughs> conversations <laughs> after taking many tangents um, <laughs> is that the reason those headlines look different <laughs> is because they they've done the work of thinking through these issues and landing at these peculiar points that are so different from the narrative, but they're the same points that we would all land if we if we got to stop to think about what actually matters to us in the news that actually impacts us, right? So I imagine like if we were to draw a headline of mm-hmm. what you've learned about zoning, you know, and in Arlington and you would come up with a unique headline that maybe mm-hmm. you wouldn't read um, in broader in broader conversation or if you 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 pull me about like the wind turbines that were apparently building 25 minutes you know i'm gonna land at a very not <laughs> a very right. new place maybe not over one that isn't overgrown with opinion yet um and i think that's sort of the fun of mm-hmm. of picking either smaller issue areas or at smaller levels you you get to have new conversations, even if they're about old things. You know, then that there, there's the lack of homogeneity. Yeah, that that yeah. just seems to make it much easier and much better to talk about, right? Because every national conversation essentially coalesces into either one or two narratives, depending on whether we're trying to be nonpartisan or hyperpartisan. <clears throat> in a way that just these local flavored conversations mm-hmm. cannot and do not. And there's, there's just always for me, there's always more texture in, in local conversations and these local narratives than there is. Yeah. Even if it's about the things we're talking about on a national level, you know, which very rarely do the two actually intersect for more mm-hmm. than like a day or two, um, you know, like you <laughs> Yeah, it seems like they'll be pulled in. You'll pull a local headline right. would pull in something national because it would get more attention. Right. 
but the issue itself is not yeah, necessarily exactly. directly tied right. to like, the national issues. It's again more of like a context than, thing than as the the whole framing of the issue, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. I try, I try. Whew. You landed that plane beautifully, my friend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that's a good place to. Uh, <laughs> to hey, wrap thank it you up. for having me. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to do another one Ellen, and uh, how much time have a very have? long, <laughs> rambling sports but yeah, discussion. Yeah, I love that. So, thanks, thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for having me, Josh. Plenty. <laughs> Take care. Yeah, that was the end. Take care. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, thank you. And if you have any questions, comments, disagreements, anything, uh, I believe you can drop a voice message through Anchor. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you all. Thank you uh, again for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm enjoying it. And I hope you are too. And yeah, enjoy enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the time. Ta-